Let's talk about the big story of the day when it comes to pediatric vaccines. Dr. Shazin Suleiman is a pediatrician at St. Michael's Hospital and associate as, assistant professor rather of pediatrics at the Temerty Faculty of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Joins the show to um, talk about this new vaccine campaign that got underway today, at least where the booking's concerned, and maybe quell some fears that some people have. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking the time. I heard that uh, we've already had 68,000 appointments booked in the province. That is great. I know that uh, based on a previous poll, two-thirds of parents are deciding that they will be, as soon as they can, getting their kids vaccinated. Um, I guess my question to you is, how can we ensure equity in our child vaccination strategy? I am so glad that you, you've asked that question, because I think when we are thinking about vaccines, we want to make sure that every single child and family who wants to get them can get them. And that means we need to think about accessibility for both the child and their caregivers, because children are not going independently in many of these places. So we want to make sure that the, the vaccine strategy is thinking about how can we make sure that children are feeling comfortable, that we're, we're giving the vaccine in child-friendly spaces, for children that also have disabilities or children that are not neurotypical, making sure that parents and providers can actually get their child to vaccine, vaccine sites. So um, for example, thinking about how, how paid sick days are important actually for parents and caregivers to be able to stay home with their child after they've had their vaccine or take them to the vaccine clinic making sure that clinic hours are perhaps extended or, or after hours or on weekends, thinking about having childcare on site. We've got lots of families that are single parents and have multiple children. What are they going to do when they have other children that they need to take care of and take their child to get vaccinated? And also thinking about how we can convey our information in an accessible and equitable way, making sure language is, is done um, and our communication is at a, is in, done in a way that all families can understand and, and interpreted in languages that families may use and making sure that we're not, um, we're not providing any barriers then, that the vaccines uh, clinics are, are well advertised, they're in easy to access locations, thinking about transportation, thinking even about health insurance and making sure it's accessible to families that don't have health insurance. These are some ideas and I'm, I'm, I've given you a lot to yeah. think about how we can make it more equitable. I think a lot of people just assume it's a roll up your sleeve and, and you know, uh, get ready. It's going to hurt a little bit and then it'll all be over. Uh, that's not the case. You know, you brought up the fact that a lot of people are single parents and, you know, somebody has to stay with one child while they get the other child vaccinated. One of the uh, problems that we're hearing today with the vaccine booking is that parents are able to book one child, but not the second for, you know, the the next appointment uh, that would be available in line. That to me seems like a major ball drop uh, on the province's part. We, you should be able to at the same time book numerous appointments for your kids. Again, you know, I think these are the 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 things that we want to think about when we're making this vaccine strategy equitable. And and I think you know identifying these early will also help us make sure that we can make the the vaccine easy for families to get to and. Also for families that have, like you said, multiple children and trying to schedule, juggle lots of things.
Were you shocked yesterday when the province announced? And I understand why they said, you know, uh, it would that that shots would would be going out to public health units and and uh, pharmacies and doctors' offices. I understand the doctors' office component because a lot of kids, you know, are uh, they they've been they've grown up with that same pediatrician, so they'd be the person they feel most comfortable with when it comes to getting a vaccination. But were you shocked that the school component was left out? Because when I think about the fact that some kids are, you know, uh, parents are having to jump through hoops saying, well, my kids can't get vaccinated all at the same time. It seems like a no brainer that school would have been the best place to vaccinate the majority of kids. I I definitely think schools and daycares and other places that children are used to and spend a lot of time in are wonderful places to actually get vaccines. I certainly have heard from parents that have expressed that desire as well, that they hope that they'll be able to get their children, their vaccines in schools. So I'm still hopeful that that might be something that can be incorporated. Uh, We're still early. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Let's talk about the efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine. What do we know about the Pfizer vaccine and the interval of uh, when you'll have to take your kids for first and second doses? Yeah, so so we know what um, Health Canada has said. We know that the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for children. That's the one. That's the only one that's been approved for children ages five to eleven right now. We know the dose is a smaller dose than what we give to adults. This was not surprising to me as as I've seen this with other vaccines in the past. And we see that the National Advisory Committee is recommending eight weeks in between their doses um, and that no other vaccines should be given if possible within 14 days. And that's really just for monitoring it from what it sounds like to me. Monitoring for what? Monitoring for side effects, because, you know, if you give two vaccines at the same time, you don't know which one caused what. That's it sounds like that's what the the recommendation is. So is that for the greater good or is that for assessing if your kid should get a second dose if they have a reaction? No, I, I again, in general, um, I think it, it says that, you know, what what Health Canada is advising is that if you get two vaccines at the same time and you have, you know, soreness or feeling fatigued, you can't tell if that's from your COVID vaccine or from the other vaccine. And so at this time, they're just recommending that you get the Pfizer vaccine on its own and then 14 days later, get your other vaccine. I want to run through some questions that might be obvious to you. um, Yeah, of course. (laughs) You work in the industry, but why is the dose smaller? You know, the dose, again, the dose is smaller because children have a fairly robust immune system um, and the immune system works differently at different ages. We see this in other vaccines. For example, the hepatitis B vaccine is also a smaller dose for children under 12 than it is for adult doses, which is over age 12. And they get a very, very robust reaction, uh, immune reaction to the hepatitis B vaccine. So it's quite similar. So what are the most common concerns that you're hearing from parents that that come in to uh, talk to you about the COVID-19 vaccine for their kids 5 to 11? Because I was a bit shocked that that one third of parents are kind of holding off. Yeah, you know, I it's funny. I, I sometimes see families that are that are wondering um, uh, when, you know, they're like wondering when and where, like I said, and and thinking worried about the logistics of kind of having to juggle all of those pieces. Um, often families are worried, you know, is it going to hurt? What are the side effects going to be? And from what we know, it's very similar to most other vaccines where you can expect some redness, some soreness, some fatigue. Um, 
Some families are wondering uh, if it's going to be required for travel. That's another common question I've had, and I, I don't know the answer to that. Those have been some of the most common ones that I've been seeing. And, and the you know another one is just thinking about how to plan around the flu shot and the COVID vaccine at the same time. So what do you say to parents uh, and to children that can make them more comfortable with getting a COVID-19 vaccine? Because I'm guessing, since you're a pediatrician, this is your recommendation. You know, we know in my, in my books, um, anything that can save a child's life is worth doing. And we now know that COVID is affecting many children. We know that children can get long COVID. We know that children can get severely unwell from, from, from COVID. We, they have a, a very severe uh, presentation called MISC, and we've seen children die from COVID. And in my opinion, you know, one child's death is too many from something that can be prevented. So when I put that to, together and, you know, thinking it, it's very similar to how I, how I counsel around other vaccines, we know that these vaccines slow the spread of disease. We know that vaccines in the past have led to some, some diseases, you know, getting eradicated or really, really minimized. And I think we have that potential here. I think it's important though, that we, I, I, you know, every family has different concerns and it's important that we hear them. I, I don't expect anybody to be jumping for joy at getting needles. A lot of children are afraid of needles and I fully appreciate where they, where that comes from. And there are some strategies that we can use to, to help kind of address the needle, the needle phobia. I was one of those children myself. So I know very well what it's like to be afraid of getting a needle. And that's often some, some, something we spend some time talking about. It's super common. Uh, I was shocked. I know that it's more than half of the kids out there have a needle phobia. I was on the other end. I, I wasn't frightened of needles. I have no idea why. Get me near a pool. I was frightened of drowning, but needles go ahead. I'll roll up my sleeve. Um, when we, you talk about these strategies, can you maybe impart some of them, uh, to us, the listeners, so that we can maybe, uh, know what to expect or help our kids work through this? That absolutely. And, and for anyone listening, you know, I, I, I still don't love needles. I, and I use these strategies myself when I have to get um, in immunizations or even go for a blood test. So I fully appreciate what it's like and that I want the listeners who do have some needle um, phobias or, or afraid of needles that you're really brave, you know, facing your fears takes a lot of courage and you're really brave for doing this. There's a, there's a really nice acronym called CARD, C-A-R-D, and it helps you remember the strategies that you can use to make yourself feel more comfortable when you're getting needles. So C stands for comfort. Think about ways in which you can be comfortable. That might be your clothing, making sure your arm is easily accessible. Maybe it's making sure you're not hungry, you've got a snack, you're sitting in a comfortable place. When you are getting your vaccine for COVID, if you would like to get it um, delivered in a more private kind of area, you can ask for that. There are accommodations available at many, many, many clinic sites. So C is for comfort. A is to ask questions. A lot of the times we are more nervous because we have not been able to ask the questions that are actually bothering us. So I would, for, for all the listeners that are worried, Set up an appointment with your doctor and just have your, let your child ask whatever questions they want. I had a child 
I had a child who was genuinely worried about aliens and we were able to have a conversation. Um, this child was not neurotypical. And so we were able to have a conversation where I could reassure them that there were no aliens involved, but that was their genuine concern with the vaccine. And when we were able to have that conversation, they were like, all right, I'm ready, let's go. Um, and, and I think being able to ask the questions that you are worried about and get those answers can help bring that anxiety down. R is for relax. So thinking about ways to keep yourself relaxed when you're actually at the site to get your, your vaccine. Deep breathing um, is a really, really useful strategy. It sounds simple, but when we breathe deeply, it actually really regulates our nervous system. So counting in for five, while you're breathing in, hold your breath for five seconds, breathe out counting for five and do it five times. And you'll notice that your heart rate comes down and you're able to kind of feel a little bit more relaxed. And the last letter is D is for distraction. So thinking about something that can take your mind or attention off what you're, what you're going through. That might be music, maybe bring, if you like listening to music, listen to music. Sometimes children hum or sing to themselves. Maybe it's playing a game or watching a game on your, on your handheld device. Maybe it's watching a YouTube video or something on Netflix or another, another device. Maybe it's bringing a little squeeze toy in your hand. You think about what, what are your strategies in this system and bring them with you to your appointment so that you can have the most successful appointment possible for you. Is it a good strategy or a bad strategy to incentivize it by offering a reward at the end of it, whether it be a chocolate bar or something like that? I know your doctor's probably not going to go, go for the chocolate bar, Kelly, but I'm just uh, speaking to the inner child in me. You know, I, I, I don't know if I can speak to that as a, as a pediatrician, but I can tell you I was really excited to get a chocolate bar when I got my vaccine. Dr. Shazine Suleiman, thank you very much for joining us. You've been really informative and I'm sure very helpful to people listening. Thank you so much for having me. And again, I, I, I hope we can impre impress on your, reader, your listeners that we are here to help and to listen. Amazing. All right. I think that uh, your job has uh, definitely um, been done successfully where that's concerned today on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Dr. Shazine Suleiman is a pediatrician at St. Michael's Hospital and assistant professor of pediatrics at the Temerty Faculty of Medicine at the University of Toronto.